Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Eric Kale, Director of Wichita Sedgwick County Historical Museum. Welcome to the Issues 2018. Thank you, Steve. For anyone unfamiliar with uh, Wichita, you might explain, where is the museum located? Well, the Historical Museum is located downtown. It is a very near century, too. It's not hard to spot. It's an old 19th century city hall building, and we've got a 170-foot clock tower on top of us, so it really sets us apart. That's a historic building. It's been there for a long time. That's, that's correct. It took them a couple years to build it, and they opened it in 1892, and it served the city hall until about 1975. I was going to say, my wife, when we were a young couple, she actually had a job there when it was city hall. Oh, yes, in- yes. We have a, a lot of uh, city uh, employees coming through to, to look at it through the years, and uh, they don't recognize it now. Since I think it's that, uh, right across the alley, if I remember, was a police department where there's now, I believe, a parking garage there. Right. In, in 1908, uh, they built a—actually, um, it was a, originally a fire department, and then in the 30s, it, uh, they changed it over into the police station. And when we took over the building in the mid-'70s, uh, that was demolished, and it's the site of Heritage Square. Oh, yeah. The little, yeah. The little, little park pocket there. park okay. there. Hey, listen, uh, and it was in the, I'm going to say, the early 80s that uh, lightning struck the uh, clock tower. Yeah. Were you there at that time? Because I actually went down and covered that story for KFH. Well, I actually, at that point, was working as a volunteer, and um, yes, it was 1981. 81. We had just opened the museum. And at that location, and the clock tower was struck by lightning. It looked like a great big match or something, a big torch up there. Well, thank you to the uh, (laughs) fire department. They were there in minutes and had that out before it burned into the building. All right, so we survived. Where was the museum before it moved in there, Eric? Well, we were located on East Douglas in what was the Beachy family home. They owned the Stephens Dairy, and they'd left their home, uh, it was really a a mansion of that time, to the museum for a location. So we moved out of the old Forum building, which was where Century 2 is today. It served as uh, kind of the convention center. We moved the original museum from that location to that home. And that's in College Hill. Uh, Christy Alley owns that house now. (laughs) All right. uh, And how long have you been uh, director, Eric? Well, I, I replaced Bob Puckett in 2007. And what, would you have, what were you doing before that? Well, um, I have uh, a degree in education, and um, I had been in teaching. Uh, and, and prior to that, um, I had uh, worked in other nonprofits. Are you, were you a history teacher? No, actually, uh, uh, not history. Uh, I was in uh, visual arts. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, how many people actually visit the museum in a year? 
Oh, well, we typically see about 17,000 walk through our doors each year. And, uh, of course, we serve many more um, long distance um, through the Internet and so forth. And and where do they come from, the people who actually come to the museum? Most of our visitors um, are local, but... um, we, we always attract people from out of town. So uh, they, they come to the museum to kind of get oriented to Wichita and the community. We a lot of overseas visitors. Um, and then a lot of our locals that come and see us uh, had no idea that that museum existed, and we hear that every day. Now, how is the museum funded? How, how are the bills paid? Well, we, we're celebrating our 80th year next year, and so uh, there's been a three generations of love for local history and uh, a lot of support through the years. So we have uh, an endowment that we work on to help sustain the museum. We also have a membership of about 700 that support us uh, financially every year and uh, a host of other benefactors and the city and the county, which have uh, long supported the museum. They've invested in the museum for uh, generations as well. In fact, the museum really had its start in the old county courthouse over a hundred years ago. And that would be the one on Main, but it's the older building across the street from where the courthouse is now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's the, where the, the where the election commissioner's office is. Yes, right. and uh, uh, the tag department was there last I checked, and yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a great building. It, it was is. built in 1888, I believe. Let's talk a little bit about what visitors can see uh, at the museum. Do you have any uh, special exhibit or exhibits this summer that are going on? Yeah. Um, we, you know, aside from we have all four floors uh, with exhibits, and we'll have two dozen different exhibits at any one time, but we keep them, uh, some of them changing. We have one right now that is a traveling exhibit uh, all about a, a very early uh, photojournalist who uh, came to Wichita from New York City in the early part of the 20th century and uh, really uh, raised our awareness on uh, poverty and the struggles of, uh, uh, well, the the title of the the exhibit is Jacob Reese, How the Other Half Lives. And it's a a really well-done exhibit through the NEA. So we're the second stop on a three-year tour. What, to, uh, what kind of photos are these? They're black and white, obviously, right? Yeah, and uh, a lot of folks will recognize these because they're iconic. They've been, they've been shown uh, in lots of different formats, but these are taken in New York City. They had just uh, invented flash photography at the end of the uh, uh, 19th century, and so he, took, he was a journalist, but he started taking pictures to illustrate and augment his stories. Right. So. They're they're uh, they're they're really relevant today. Uh, th- what the time frame would that have been? Right after the first uh, turn of the century, or in the twenties? Eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. Okay, yeah. And uh, he 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 actually died in nineteen fourteen. So these are all uh, well over a hundred years yeah, old. Yeah, that could be very interesting. I would think. Yeah, uh, uh, audiences young and old have have really been moved by it. And uh, uh, do you get many traveling exhibits like that? Well, there aren't too many traveling exhibits that really relate to our local Sedgwick County history, but we do find them. And we've managed to uh, find uh, one every year or so that we've we've brought in. We also create our own. This fall we have one uh, called Toys of the Future, which is... uh, 
mid-century, uh, you'll recognize these these toys are the space toys, the ray guns, the flying saucers, the Buck Rogers rocket ships, uh, all uh, and produced out of tin, uh, very colorful, and uh, so uh, that's that's our fall exhibit. Can you tell us about one or two good uh, exhibits you've had over the past couple of years that you really were impressed with? Oh, yeah. As far as the traveling exhibits, we had one that was really interesting called Spirited, uh, which uh, looked at Prohibition, the Prohibition years. And, of course, um, Kansas has sort of a edge on Prohibition. We outlawed uh, liquor pretty widely for about three generations. They almost wrote it into the state constitution in the 1860s. Thanks to Carrie Nation, I think. Yeah, yeah. she was she was a big temperance. right here. In Wichita, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, growing up in West Wichita, I heard people, the old timers down and then say, "Yeah, that's old so and so. He was a bootlegger." Apparently, that went on quite a bit around here at one time. Yeah, we were pioneer bootleggers. <laughs> we <laughs> well, something to be proud of. I, I don't know, but it was a fact. Uh, we we had a jump start on bootlegging here in Kansas because they had to do it, you know, yeah. all the through. Uh, years. I want to take us. We're going to go for a, a little tour here. But, you know, if you can visualize this, uh, uh, and I'm going to have Eric take take us through uh, floor by floor. I want to start off on the first floor. What can folks see on the first floor generally when well, they go in? Yeah, on the first floor we have exhibits. We have um, our uh, windows on collection exhibits that you see when you walk in the doors. There are things we've recently added to the collection. We have a, a stellar collection of cut glass uh, that gets um, people in from all over the country to see that. Uh, we have a, a museum gift shop that's staffed by volunteers, and it's uh, one of the major retail outlets in downtown Wichita and a great place for souvenirs. Then we also have um, the Davis Gallery, the Courtney and Marcelette Davis Gallery, which is really fun. It's sort of an orientation gallery our young historians create exhibits in this particular location, and we also have a functional uh, 1948 telephone booth. You can make a call for a dime and use a dial phone, or you can uh, you can type a letter on our typewriter and uh, mail that. We have a you know old that's Underwood interesting. There. <laughs> this was my next observation because, uh, as you know, a couple of years ago, I brought my grandchildren down there. I think three or four of them, they were pretty young, and they were fascinated by the telephone booth. Uh, can you actually make a call there or, or, is not, or just go yeah. through the motions? It's, it's fully functional. It's got, it's got a landline? Uh, well, <laughs> it's an interesting story. Um, it's not easy to put in a phone booth, especially one from 1948. We, yeah. we discovered how difficult it was, but we found someone in New York State who specializes in restoring telephones, especially pay phones. And so we ordered up a restored model from him, and it actually uh, um, it actually functions. You put a dime in it, you hear the bells, and and wow. then you dial the number. So. Yeah, that's going to take folks back. If you, and, of course, again, there's a rotary dial. was pretty fascinating to the kids, too. Well, yeah, we'll flip them a dime and challenge <laughs> them to take the, the payphone challenge. So. Yeah, it's amazing how, how far we've come as far as technology is concerned. And this is something that I think it's good for the kids to see this. Also, the other thing that, again, that fascinated them was the manual typewriter. They had never seen one of those before. 
Yeah, you don't encounter those uh, and I like actually you have to. one. I have one about the, <laughs> and a really old one at home that's somewhere in a closet someplace. I've hung on to it. Maybe well, it's worth some money. I'll come down and sell it to you. There's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's still a, a whole kind of subculture into typewriters, and you can get ribbons and everything. <laughs> really? Uh, you yeah. can get ribbons? Yeah. There, you can keep one going I'll if tell, you talk, like. to, talk to the kids about changing a typewriter ribbon. Oh, boy. We're, we're looking for a typewriter repair person, by the way. Really? Yeah, I'll just put uh, that out there. You don't have an old-style uh, news teletype machine down there, do you? That no, would be fun. No, but the typewriter we have down there is an old Western Union. It so types you can't all caps. Have a key. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Uh, you're listening to Issues 2018 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Eric Kale, director of Wichita Century County Historical Museum. And some of the conversation over the past three minutes has probably lost anybody under the age of about, what, 40? They have no idea what we're talking about. But that's why they need to come to the museum. And further their education about this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, give, us a, give us a look at what's on the second floor, Eric. Well, um, up on the second floor is uh, we have uh, an exhibit that changes frequently. Right now we have artifacts from the museum's collection, and we still actively collect. We have over 100,000 artifacts in the permanent collection. We collect things that we can tell, use to tell the story, the local stories with. So they're, um, they're many of them very unique, and they, they tell interesting stories that um, really illustrate our local history. Can you tell me one or two, then? Is, well, the, is the Jones yeah. Auto up there? On, no. That's, that's actually, we've got the car on the fourth floor. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. Well, there's a video up there that uh, is taken from old news, television news footage yeah. that, that depicts that. So I won't give away the story. You'll need okay. to come and, and uh, watch that video. But just as for folks will know, the Jones Auto Company, we, had, we manufactured cars in Wichita, did we not? Yeah, thousands of cars and trucks were manufactured here about 100 years ago during the kind of the World War I era. Uh, now, let's go back down to the second floor. What else? Uh, oh, what, yeah. One or two other things we can see there that are local. Well, we have we have a turn-of-the-century drugstore recreated. It's a, an immersive sort of environmental exhibit that you can walk into and really see what these little neighborhood institutions look like. There uh, are really none left uh, today like that, at least here in Wichita. And this one is uh, very accurately recreated. It was... It was actually removed from Severy, Kansas, not Severy. far from here. So now, now would have a, a, a soda fountain type thing there. Yeah, there's a soda fountain, oh, and then wow. all the pharmaceutical uh, trappings, and uh, we have a 1927 Seaberg jukebox in that uh, setting, and it's uh, it'll take you back now. Kids, see, it's a good intergenerational experience. Grandparents can go with kids, and for, for once. Uh, the grandparents can tell the kids how things worked instead of the kids helping us with their yeah, cell phones. It so. usually works the other way around. Yeah. Huh? Well, let's let's tell you, go up a flight. Let's go up to the third floor. By the way, you have an elevator there. Uh, yeah. Is it we self-operator, right? We can operate it. Yes. But what I, I would tell you real quickly, back in the early 70s when I would go down to City Hall, they had somebody who was a full-time elevator operator there. Oh, yes. She had a little glove on, and she that's all she did all day long. 
There is something. Maybe you could hire me to come down and be your elevator operator. Well, we'll do that during <laughs> special events. You, we will be, be glad fun. to have. I'll, I'll get you a stool in there. It's a big elevator. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us about the third floor, Eric. Um, the third floor is uh, a very interesting floor. We kind of think of it as the 19th century floor, and that's where we pick up the story of uh, local history. We don't go back before settlement, so. Our story starts right about the time of the conclusion of the Civil War when they opened up this area. Uh, And um, on that floor, we tell sort of the city's origin story uh, in Wichita, the Magic City. It's a chronological trip through the first 50 years. Then we also have um, restored recently the original room which housed the mayor's office. And then we have it in its 1890s appearance uh, We've used photogra- a photograph and, and a lot of research to put that exactly like it was in 1890. Um, we also have a Victorian cottage, which is a uh, seven-room Victorian cottage recreated up on really? the third floor. You got yeah. all that on the third floor. Yeah, right? it's pretty amazing. <laughs> a kitchen uh, bathroom, which was unusual in, in the 1890s yeah. to have an indoor bathroom. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's it, it'll it'll transport you to that time. Now, now tell me up to the fourth floor again. You've got the car up there. Yeah, the fourth floor. You've got a train locomotive or anything like that. You got uh, <laughs> no, you'll have to go to Topeka <laughs> okay. for that one. Um, but we have um, or the transportation museum, which is yeah. our neighbor downtown. Uh, they have theirs outside uh, Kansas Historical. Museum in Topeka has one inside, a little okay. older. But uh, on the fourth floor, we also have the special uh, exhibit area. We have Jacob Reese up right now through August 11th. And then we have also the Spirit of Wichita exhibit, which looks at Wichita in the 20th century. Um, you know, the emergence of aviation, right. oil and gas um, industry, uh, the WPA years with the uh, the, the Depression and the Dust Bowl, and uh, we also look at the uh, emergence of the electrical technology. We have the distinction of having uh, given birth, really, in public performance to the electric guitar in 1932, and we have uh, the earliest example of a of a electric guitar up there. So. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that when we were down there. Yeah. Uh, for an electric guitar. Yeah, that's sort of something you wouldn't have factored in. You uh-uh. think aviation yeah. and, and going back further, you know, the frontier years. But, yeah, electric guitar as well. Uh, how have you been able to find artifacts that are unique to the Wichita area? Well, we've, we've had um, a museum staff that's been doing that for 80 years. So it's an ongoing project, but it's very... Uh, serendipitous how how that occurs. People will come to us uh, with something that they think is unique or interesting that tells a local story. And uh, most most of the objects we've we've received have been donated. We occasionally uh, find funds to purchase things as well. Um, but they've uh, we have an amazing collection. For as long as we've been collecting, we have artifacts that were owned by. Uh, the, the early pioneers and um, uh, do you get many offers uh, every day? Really? <laughs> every and, of course, some of them are just <laughs> frankly junk almost. I bet. Well, yeah, some have have almost <laughs> no intrinsic value or collector's value. Yet they're they're just really important to our local story. Yeah. You, you could never get a nickel for them. Other things that we have are. Um, uh, 
as it turns out, immensely valuable. But we we don't think in terms of market value and dollars for these right. things. We treat everything uh, to preserve it for the future generations so we can continue to tell the story. Tell us about any regular programs and activities uh, do you do a lot of educational work with kids and things like that? Yeah, we really make an effort. We try to get kids through the museum as many as we can. We have funders that make this um, uh, essentially free for school tours. Um, and sometimes we even have transportation money to help. Um, it's really important to get kids through it. They gain a, a knowledge and respect for their community and it really, it really kind of enculturates uh, people. It gets them uh, involved and engaged in uh, and having a degree of respect for their community that's really great to see with kids. Do you have a peak season for attendance? Is there a time when you got more than other times? Every time of year is a little different. Um, and you know you do something at Christmas, right? Yes. Um, uh, we, we have programs throughout the year. We have... Um, Today is our Senior Wednesday. Every third Wednesday, we have uh, a program for for seniors uh, ten months out of the year, and then we also have programs related to all of our exhibits. Uh, the Jacob Reese exhibit has several. Um, we we list these on our website, uh, which is uh, wichitahistory.org. Do you get a lot of help from volunteers, Eric? Yes, a volunteer um, base is, is extremely important to us. We have a 25-member board of trustees that are all uh, local uh, volunteers. We have um, uh, a, a friends group, uh, which is called WIMS, which is about 60 uh, volunteers that put on fundraising events and and staff or gift shop and and help in a lot of different ways tell me why uh, tell our listeners why local history history in general but local history is important to them well you know you you have to understand where you've been to know where you're going and to have a little perspective uh, you know you learn from the past in, in so many ways and uh, that's what we do as really an educational institution is to try to uh, teach the lessons of the past to people. It's also very amusing. Um, uh, a lot of people will refer to it as edutainment. So it's sort of education and entertainment yeah. uh, coming together when you visit a museum. Is there anything in new in the planning stages for you? You got anything exciting going on? Or maybe you don't want to tell me. I, mean, I keep it secret. But. Oh, well, we're <laughs> always planning exhibits. It usually takes a couple years to, um, to uh, put it put the exhibit schedule together so we're always looking a couple years out and um, uh, you know one thing that's looming large is the Sedgwick County and Wichita sesquicentennial which is the 150th anniversary of of the establishment of our community uh, they happened both in 1870 so obviously we're talking 2020 is a big year for that oh 2020 mm -hmm. okay coming so, right up so that will be uh what do you call it the sesqu the, yes try what? to say this i had to practice <laughs> sesquicentennial sesquicentennial yeah that is a mouthful Kansas, Kansas celebrated the sesquicentennial for the state in 2011, but we don't get to do that until 2020. Okay, what, what's the biggest challenge for being in your job every day, Eric? Well, um, it is uh, 
It is a challenge because really history museums are the least popular. I'm I'm sorry to say they shouldn't be, but least popular cultural arts institutions anywhere. Mm, um, I don't pe- get that. <laughs> well, people, people. Of course, we love the zoo. We mm-hmm. love visiting Exploration Place, the art museums, both the Wichita Art Museum and the Ulrich Museum. Uh, the Kansas Aviation Museum. There are a lot. The Museum of World Treasures. There, right. there are a lot of uh, museums like that out there that uh, really are in the limelight. But when it comes to the Wichita Sedgwick County Historical Museum, just getting the word out is, uh, and we so appreciate you having having yeah. the exposure for us. I was going to say maybe maybe this will help today because I, I find it very interesting. I got to get my grandkids to go back down there and see you so they can take a dime and operate that uh, payphone down there. Hey, our guest is Eric Kale, director of Wichita Sedgwick County Historical Museum. Eric, thanks for being with us. That's all for this edition of 2018. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.